if I'm truthful, I'm at a loss for words about the catastrophic situation on the ground and the loss of complete humanity in what we see in Gaza. It is an unprecedented and unparalleled brutality in the history of humanity in the recent times. 2.2 million people amongst them, 50,000 pregnant women besieged for one month. Five and a half thousand women are going to give birth within the next few weeks. And for the 160 women who I should have said are lucky today to try and bring joy and life into this world, I fear for their lives and the lives of their children. Uh, over 135 health facilities have been targeted. The remaining health facilities that stay standing have very little medication, no fuel to run electricity. We've had cesarean sections for emergency deliveries that have been done with little or no anesthesia and on occasion only with the light from a mobile phone. So when you ask me about what the situation is on the ground, where we have already lost 88 UN staff members, never in the history of the United Nations in such a short duration and one single event have we lost that many staff members. And yet the world leaders seem paralyzed to be able to intervene on what is one of the most flagrant breaches of human rights and international humanitarian law by besieging and constantly bombarding the Gaza Strip. Several UN agencies have uh, retreated in a joint statement urgent appeals for an immediate humanitarian ceasefire to allow more life-saving aid into Gaza. Uh, UNFPA uh, is among uh, the signatories on the statement. So can you tell us more about uh, that uh, joint call and its significance now? It is a significant appeal. Right now, we are putting a humanitarian bandage on what is primarily a crisis of humanity. The ceasefire is necessary and a necessary condition for two things. One, for us to be able to enter into Gaza with the goods unhindered and unconditionally, to be able to provide for those who have been forcibly displaced to the south, for those who are injured and overwhelming the hospital facilities and to bring in the goods and people where we can start to at least address some of those critical humanitarian needs. Secondly, it's really important, it's critically important that the protection of all humanitarian staff and the sanctity of life in general is protected. There's no such thing as a humanitarian pause. A pause implies that you can come in bring your things, but then we're going to bombard. And then we're going to commit and continue to put that pressure on the people of Gaza. That cannot continue. It must stop immediately. You mentioned uh, that uh, important point about uh, targeting health facilities and also targeting uh, uh, health workers. How can that complicate the situation, which is already complicated on the ground in Gaza? It's fairly apparent, I would assume, even from a human perspective. But let me give you the situation of a pregnant woman. You're anticipating bringing a child into this world. If it's your first child, there's a mixed anxiety about what might happen during that delivery. But there's also hope 
and happiness. When you have no one who can help that woman while she's fleeing from continuous bombardment, when she doesn't have enough water to drink that will allow her to carry to term and healthily, when she cannot protect herself or her family as she moves to try and find from one of the standing health facilities, a surgeon, a qualified health professional. Put yourself in the shoes of that woman when the surgeon says to her, I have no anesthesia. I don't even have water or soap to wash my hands, but I'm going to try and save your life. And they have to perform a surgery on that woman under those conditions with no anesthesia. What kind of torturous pain goes through her mind or through the doctor's mind? or through her husband's mind on what might be the outcome for her and that baby. Even if she survives, there will be no one to help her. Let me give you just a quotation. There was a woman who we spoke to who said, every step when I was trying to find someplace to deliver my baby felt like a race against death. I can't imagine the choices for her and for her family. As a woman myself, as a person, a human being, who's also enjoyed having new members of a family and seeing the joy of a birth. I can't imagine what torture it is to be put through those conditions and those choices. All of it is reversible if the international community can come together and say, stop. UN agencies are uh, working around the clock to provide life-saving supplies So can you tell us more about what the UNFPA provided since aid convoys started to enter Gaza through uh, Rafah crossing? I mean, we are continually trying to do the best that we can. We have provided clean drinking water to our staff. We've provided emergency reproductive health kits and safe delivery. So what is that? If I can just give it to you in simple terms, it's anything from a bag that has a clean plastic sheet, a clamp to help clamp off the umbilical cord, and a pair of scissors to cut them, a bar of soap, and some wipes to ensure that at least some level of hygiene and sterile environment is protected. Those we distribute to the pregnant women when we can reach them. The shelters are overcrowded and so forth. We also are moving in goods that are to help the hospital facilities that are currently overwhelmed with simple equipment for delivery and a lot of the disposable supplies like gauze, saline, some of the other kinds of products and goods like oxytocin that can help with the delivery, which right now are completely depleted. We are very concerned, however, that those are a drop in the bucket. They are insufficient. We talked about the convoys. If I could put it to you in proportion, before the crisis, they were allowing 400 trucks a day, and we were already at extremely low levels of medication and supplies. Right now, we haven't even been able to deliver 400 trucks in the month. So if I had to look at the scale, nothing that we do can meet the needs on the ground at the moment. This is why it's important to have fuel for the desalination plant so that people can have clean water. It's important to have fuel for the electricity and the bakeries. And it's important to get food there so that there isn't a crisis, that we can run the hospitals well. We try our best also to protect young girls 
who are in overcrowded centers and where hygiene is, at best, very minimal. In one center where we work, there is one bathroom facility for a thousand people. A thousand. Can you imagine the situation for a young girl, your sister, your daughter, a person who you care about, a good friend, where she needs the privacy, where she needs that level of hygiene to feel the respect and dignity as a young woman and grow into a healthy adult. None of that at the moment. So we do try to provide to the best of our abilities, either through the convoys or the local markets, sanitary products, wipes, a few things to return, not just the hygiene, but the respect and the dignity that people need to live. These are 2.2 million Palestinian people. They are human beings. Yes, they're in need of the basics of water, food, electricity. But most of all, they deserve to live in dignity and in their home. Can UNFPA staff reach northern Gaza? We know there are many challenges facing humanitarian workers there. And also how challenging it is to provide aid to 5,500 women who are expected to give birth in the coming weeks. It is an impossible equation at the moment. I wish that I had better news. I wish that we could provide for them. That would take an enormous amount. And I think that there's one thing that I would like to stress is that no amount of humanitarian aid responsibly could be delivered at the scale that we need, nor is it our responsibility, nor is it responsible to replace the public and private sector that provide for that civilian population. It's important to insist, and this is why we were saying that it is the protection of the civilian infrastructure that provides for any community, the hospitals, the schools, the houses, with half of the residential, half the residential buildings in the north of Gaza demolished. What will there be to go back to? That lack of respect for civilian infrastructure, including the targeting of hospitals, is such a blatant breach of, of human rights. And where, yes, the humanitarian community and the international community will do its utmost to help at least support those who are in dire need and allow them to live and survive. The real emphasis needs to be on the protection of civilian infrastructure and protection of the dignity and the, the principle of allowing the Palestinian people in Gaza to live in their home safely.